0: I suspect that there's probably five, six of the songs in this particular hymnal that we've never sung and probably never will. There are a few that we sing repeatedly. Our, our, our all time favorite, number one on the charts at Asbury. Every time it's announced, you hear little flickerings through the, through, the, through the student body and the faculty. It's, it's number 62 you will remember as all hail the power of Jesus' name. I would like to challenge some subsequent song leader to have us sing not 62, but 52, the title of which is God of Concrete, God of Steel. Doesn't that just grab you? Lord of Piston and of Wheel, God of pylon and of steam, God of girder and of beam, God of Adam, God of mine, all the world of power is mine. You know that one, Craig? Okay. 52 is the number. It won't be an invitational hymn, but. Book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all men without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. Chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I believe the title announced for today's topic is, If Any Asburyan Lack Wisdom, Faculty, Staff, Students, and Administrators, And I'm basing that on chapter 1 of James, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all, and it will be given. Now, that's kind of an odd text to introduce during holiness conference. What possibly could wisdom have to do with holiness? I mean, doesn't this verse talk not about holiness? Doesn't it talk more about guidance? I mean, Lord, what do you want me to do this summer? Am I to go overseas? Am I to stay here and earn a few shekels to come back next fall? And uh, would it not be appropriate at that point say, Lord, I need your wisdom on this. I just, I just don't know which option I am supposed to pursue. That's a beautiful verse to use for that. If any person lacks wisdom, let him ask, just let him ask God And it shall be given fully and freely. But I want to suggest to you this morning that that verse is more than just a verse that speaks to the question of guidance and being directed by God about a certain course of action. It includes that, but I want to suggest to you it includes more than that. If I were to identify a key word in the writings of Paul, it would be one immediately. It would be the word faith. That's Paul's foundational word, faith. He never tires of using it. If I had to identify a key word from, Paul, from John of which he never tires using, it would be the word Love. Those few writings that Peter contributes. If I had to identify a key word from his writings in the New Testament, it would be the word hope. For for John, it's love. For Paul, it's faith. For Peter... It's hope. And for James, it's wisdom. He uses it repeatedly throughout this book. And I want to share with you this morning, very briefly, and we will honor the bell, six things that, Paul, that, that James says about this wisdom. And I think you will see before we are finished that it relates very, very closely to Holiness Conference. The first thing that James says about wisdom is that it is a gift. Let's make sure we have that clear. When James talks about wisdom, He is not talking about something that you and I can achieve. He is talking about something that you and I can only receive. That's point number one. That's how James says it, isn't it? If any of you Asbarians lack wisdom, let him ask, of God, and it shall be given. The wisdom, whatever this wisdom be, this wisdom is a gift. Number one. Number two, James says it is a gift for Christians. This is not a gift for anybody. James is writing to people who have already received Christ as their personal Savior. When James says, if any of you, he is talking to the family of God. It's it's not just a gift, but it's a gift particularly for those who are converted and have been born again. If any of you Christians, if any of you twice-born Christians lack wisdom, ask of God, and it shall be given. So, number one, it's a gift. Number two, it's a gift exclusively for believers. For Christians. Number three. I hope I don't lose you on this one. So I'll ask you just to tune in especially hard. I'm going to make one statement at the beginning, and uh, I might lose you on the basis of that statement. I wish I could get a better way to say it, and I can't. But let me make the statement, and then let me explain it. It's a gift. It's a gift for Christians. Number three, James says, in my words, that this wisdom is a gift of God's grace and not a gift of God's sovereignty. Oh. I'm going to write my mama and tell her that. Now let me repeat that. This wisdom is a gift of God's grace, not a gift of God's sovereignty. And and if you can't spell the word sovereignty, S-O-V period will do. Now what do I mean by that? Turn back with me, will you please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the only place that Paul talks about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the members of his body, but it's probably the best-known place where he talks about it. And what does Paul say about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12? Well, let me suggest to you several things he says about them in terms of generalizations, One thing that Paul says is that every genuine, spirit-filled Christian will be given at least one gift. That's one thing he says. A second thing that Paul says about the gifts of the Spirit is that their purpose is for the building up of the body of Christ. My lack of your gift makes you necessary to me. And your lack of my gift makes me necessary to you. The purpose of the gifts is for building up relationships within the body of Christ. And isn't it interesting that one instrument that God has given to build up those relationships has become the instrument that's torn us apart. I mean, I've seen church split on the, over the issue of what God started for the purpose of bringing us together. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that ironic? That God meant this to produce unity. And it has produced civil war. But here's the third point that I want to say. And I quote some verses from 1 Corinthians 12. The third point that Paul makes is that these gifts are sovereignly given by God as he chooses. One for you, one for you, and one for you. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit... None of us can sit in God's lap as if we would sit in Santa's lap and have him say to us have you been a good asburyan what would you like what gift would you like santa to bring you no listen to one there is given through the holy spirit the message of wisdom To another is given the message of knowledge. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Do you see the point that Paul is making? To some of you, God has given the gift of wisdom And to some of you, God has given the gift of knowledge. To some of you, God has given gifts of healing. To some of you, God has given the gift of tongues. And to some of you, God has given the gift for the interpretation and the elucidation of those tongues. Those gifts of the Spirit are what I put under the umbrella of the gifts of God's sovereignty. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, to some of you, God has given the gift of wisdom. But when James talks about wisdom, That's not a gift that he just offers for certain people, but the rest of us are left out. He says, this is a gift that any of you can have. I got so excited, I almost tumbled there. If, if any of you lack wisdom, that's what I mean by a gift of grace. Nobody here this morning is exempted from the privilege of asking God for this gift of wisdom. If any of you asbarians, freshmen, seniors, sophomores, juniors, grad students, visitors, faculty, staff, alumni, administrators, did I get everybody? If if any of you, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The fourth thing that James says about wisdom, this wisdom. James says that this wisdom that God wants to pour into us and give to us is God's solution to many of the problems that you and I are going to bump into. Some problems over which we have no control. Other problems over which we do have control. And James says when you find yourself in this kind of a crisis, the only way you're going to survive is if you let God flood you with that wisdom that is from above. Now what are these kinds of problems for which wisdom from above is the solution and the antidote? What did I get in Thessalonians? James chapter 1 tells us two of those. And and fortunately, they they both begin with the letter T. Let's just pick on those two. Look at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face... What's the word? Trials. What happens when you bump into a situation that's going to wipe you out and overwhelm you? There's a song that we love to sing. I'm not sure it's in this hymnal or not. Anytime Paul Rohr leads the music, he has has two songs he always has us sing. And one of them is an old, old gospel song called Beulah Land. You ever heard of that one, Beulah Land? Beulah almost sounds like a cow, doesn't it? And it begins this way. I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. Hey, that's great, isn't it? It almost makes you feel like you're in Colorado. as opposed to Harlem, of living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. Does that strike you as a little bit unrealistic? That living the Christian life is a perpetual mountaintop experience with not even one cloud in the sky to shut out the sun? A few years ago, I'd say now about six years ago, I uh, taught a course here on the book of Job. I'll never forget the final exam I gave to my students. I walked in the class, and it was just one question. I said, I want you to write on this for two hours. And I just wrote it on the board. I want you to construct an, an interview between Job and Pat Robertson. That Job is the celebrity of the day on the 700 Club, and I want you just to construct an interview between Job and Pat Robertson. This man who engaged in all sorts of trials and tribulations that overwhelmed him. James says, You can count on it that you are going to bump into trials. And the purpose of these trials is to produce perseverance rather than throw the towel into the ring. And James would say, look, the way you're going to come through these trials with your head held high is you, if you've been baptized in that wisdom that's from above. That's, that's one of the tests of the Christian life. Here's another one. Look down at verse 26, also beginning with the letter T. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight hold on his say it tongue. We've gone from trials to tongue. He deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Look over what James says about the tongue in chapter 3. He says in verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body. It isn't. It is, isn't it? A two ounce mucous membrane made up of nerves and muscles. And James says this tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Listen to verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We can tame falcons to land on our wrist. We can tame pigeons to carry messages. We can tame dogs to bring slippers. We can train killer whales. To jump through loops. Uh, you know, you, you, you can tame and train Shamu, but, but the tongue is something else. You, you, you can train crocodiles to, to roll over on their back so that you can rub their belly. But, but James says the tongue is a monster that no man can tame. That reminds me of an inscription I saw on a gravestone that went like this. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Do you have to wait to death for the tongue to be controlled? James says maybe that's not a problem around Asbury but I suspect it is quickly. Number five and if you give me 60 seconds I'll be finished. James says that this wisdom is a gift for Christians from God's grace but a gift who's all in quality and characteristic is purity you see what James do you remember what James said about wisdom in chapter 3 but this wisdom that comes down from above is first of all this wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all what pure pure holy Blemish without stain, completely transparent. And would I cry out to God this morning? I mean, a wisdom to get onto the dean's list is one thing, or a wisdom to get accepted into Harvard's one thing after Asbury. But am I willing this morning to cry out to God for a wisdom? Whose overwhelming characteristic is that it is pure, that is holy. Do I want to be baptized in that this morning? And the last thing that James says to us about wisdom is that it is a gift that is receivable right here. It's not a deferred gift. James says if any Asbarian lacks wisdom, this purifying wisdom, let him ask of God and it shall be given.